Great. Hello. Good morning. Great to see you all. Um, I'm Josh, and uh, as Claire just mentioned, we're going to be carrying on our series in the book of Bi- the Bible, the book of Hebrews. Uh, and we come to a very famous passage. Uh, the book of Hebrews is a book for us, but it was originally a sermon, a sermon that was written down uh, and circulated amongst the early communities of Jesus followers. And today we come to the section on faith. And faith is mentioned about 30 times in the sermon to the Hebrews, and almost all of them come in this section. Now, faith is important. And it's important regardless of what religion you belong to, or even if you ticked no religion on the census a few weeks ago. Because faith determines how you live. What you believe determines how you live. So, for example, I believe that peanut butter and strawberry jam taste delicious together, which is why I often have it on bread or toast, or if I'm feeling decadent, a piece of cheese. I believe that cold showers are good for your health and your productivity which is why every morning I turn the shower down as cold it will go and let the icy water take my breath away. What you believe determines how you live. And that happens right on small, trivial decisions, right up to big, life-defining decisions. If you believe it's going to rain, you'll rearrange your garden visit, or at least take a coat. If you believe vaccines are safe and backed by science, you'll accept yours when you're invited. If you believe vaccines are unsafe, not supported by science, or even a secret conspiracy designed by Bill Gates to inject microchips into everyone, you'll reject them. What you believe determines how you live. If you believe religion is a force for evil in the world, you'll reject it personally and impose any role of it in raising children and making laws. And if you believe that Jesus was a man 2,000 years ago who literally died and came back to life, you will pay attention to him and you will direct your life in response to him. Faith is important because what you believe determines how you live. Now, there's a very high chance that right now you are facing some sort of faith fatigue. The last year, life has obviously been very challenging. Birthdays, holidays, missed, cancelled, postponed, support networks pulled away, family life gets more intense as you're locked down with your family, working from home. Uh, My wife, Rachel, and I um, were blessed with a baby in November, Um, a a daughter called Naomi, who we are delighted with, a real gift from God. And one of the benefits for me from working from home, um, I'm a teacher, so I'm teach- there I am, teaching lessons online. We had to do it on Microsoft Teams, which is basically like a really bad version of Zoom. And um, I'm teaching kids online, but in between lessons, I can pop down and I can see Rachel and Naomi. But one of the hard things about teaching online, I mean, it was weird to start with. There I am in my front room talking to children who were sat in their own house going, please, can I go to the toilet? And then, you know, chill- uh, there's a child getting out rats during my lesson. A child I couldn't hear because their parrot was squawking too loudly. People shoving sausage rolls down their faces. And some kids turning the volume off because they were bored. Weird. But one of the hard things about working from home was the meltdown of work and home. 
And actually, I found a lot more stressed about work because of that. And maybe your jobs have changed, got harder. Maybe you're on furlough. Maybe you've lost your job. And health-wise, obviously, health is, has been challenging for some. Some people among us really struggling um, with long COVID, still feeling the effects and the fatigue from that. Uh, maybe you've lost people you love. Um, or mental health. Mental health has skyrocketed. Uh, people really struggling, anxiety, depression, frustration. No wonder we're feeling a bit down. But that's just life. And then on top of that, faith has been challenging. So thank you to all of you tuning in to church right now. Thank you to all of you listening online. Um, today is actually my first day in the building. In fact, uh, it's been so long that I genuinely got confused about the route here on the way and came a really roundabout way. But connecting online is tough. I found it really difficult. And actually talking to others from church, they found it the same. You know, it's, it's, it's harder to engage and follow the worship. It's harder to listen to the preacher and work out what he's saying and, and pay attention. It's harder to... Um, it, just practically, it's harder. So, you know, you're running around and, oh, no, it's 10 o'clock and, you know, you've got, your, got the service on the screen before you manage to get it on the big screen. And then you, you're trying to sing and then suddenly the baby's nappy needs changing and your toddler has a meltdown. And then you're just getting into it and you're halfway through singing your heart out. And then the door goes and there's an Amazon delivery. It's tough. It's tough. And joining home group on Zoom, you know, ugh, Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And... You get to, get to a, a home group and you think, oh, another home group on Zoom. And uh, just connecting with other people in general has been harder. You know, seeing, sending messages, seeing people at a distance in a garden is not the same as seeing people up close face to face. Faith has been challenging. Life has been challenging. So there's a strong chance that you are facing some kind of faith fatigue. Maybe you're actively questioning, does watching this service really make a difference? Does... This Zoom call, is it really worth the effort? Is what I'm pouring into this relationship valuable based on what I'm getting out of it? Or maybe the things that you just used to think were important have lost their vibe. You're spiritually tired. Your prayer life is weak or virtually non-existent. And you're just in a rut. Well, the good news is Hebrews is a sermon to people with faith fatigue. So let's turn to chapter 11, fire it up on your, on your phone, go to the Bible tab, however you can access it, it will also appear on the screen. Uh, it's worth saying, just before um, the preacher has got to chapter 11, he's done chapter 10. So he's just said this, you need to persevere. He's talking to people with faith fatigue. You need to persevere but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Because here's the good news. No matter how faith fatigued you are, if you were a Christian, then you are characterized by faith. You are characterized by faith. Because that is the definition of being a Christian. Having faith in Jesus having your life shaped by belief in his life, death, and resurrection. That's how you become righteous, the right kind of person, the kind of person you're supposed to be, the kind of person who doesn't have to shrink back in shame at who you are. Because faith in Jesus changes who you are. 
And then the preacher to the Hebrews is going to go and give us a whole lot of evidence that God's people have always been a people of faith. So let's have a look. Hebrews chapter 1, start at verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So he's talking about the ancients, the people from the past, God's people have always been a people of faith. And what he's going to do is he's going to go right back to page one of the Bible and work through to prove his point. So he goes right back to the creation of the universe. Verse three, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Two brothers, Cain, Abel. Cain is a farmer. Abel is a shepherd. They both bring offerings to God, but only Abel's is acceptable. Why? Because Abel brings his with faith, and Cain does not bring his with faith. God's people have always been people of faith. Goes on, turns the page, next story in Genesis. In fact, it's not even a story. It's a list of names. We hardly know anything about this guy, Enoch, but this is what we do know. Verse five, my faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Somehow, Abel's walk with God meant that he avoided death. Abel's faith actually led to his death because his brother Cain got mad and killed him. Enoch's faith meant he avoided death, but God commended both of them. Why? Because they were people of faith. And if you are a Christian, no matter how faith fatigued you are, you are characterized by faith. Without faith, we can't please God. It's impossible because faith is the basis of our relationship with God. Faith is what changes us to be the right kind of people. But with faith, it's possible to please God. But what about when our faith is fatigued, failing, weak? What does God think of this then? Um, Imagine a plane, two people sat next to each other. One of them is the confident flyer. You know the sort, facing the Kindle, casually ordering a packet of overpriced crisps and a glass of red, staring out the window, enjoying the panorama that goes on. In the seat next to them, is the nervous flyer, the the jittery ones, the ones who's reading through the safety instructions twice, who's rehearsing, okay, where's my life jacket under my chair? Yeah, and then pull, but don't inflate before you get off. Okay. Uh, The one whose every noise is being analyzed. What's that? Is that a rumbling? Is that low? Is there an engine failure? Is there a loose bolt? Is Is the cabin depressurizing? And they're looking out the window, but they're not seeing a view. They're seeing danger. What's that on the horizon? A storm cloud? Is there lightning in it? What happens if you're in a plane and it gets struck by lightning? Oh, flock of birds, flock of birds! What happens if one goes in the engine? But here's the point. Both of those people end up at their destination. The confident flyer, the nervous flyer. The confident flyer has a lot of faith in his plane. The nervous flyer, hardly any faith. But both of them got on the plane and both of them end up at their destination. 
Because what matters most is not the strength of your faith, but the strength of what you believe in. That is why Jesus says faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. Because it's not your faith muscles that move the mountain, it's Jesus. With faith, you can see the unseen. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Everyone get your hands, two hands up. Do this at home as well. I can see you. I can't really, but I learned that from teaching. You pretend, well, actually, I could see them in teaching. Anyway, (laughs) here we go. Get your two hands up. Pop them both on your head, okay? Keep them there. Verse three. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was seen was made, what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Okay, keep your hands on your head. This is made of plastic. If we pull it apart, we get carbon atoms. And if we pull those apart, we get protons, neutrons, and electrons. And if you keep pulling apart, then you get quarks and leptons and bosons. And then, well, at the moment, we can't pull those apart. But here's the thing. What hole? At some point, you're going to get down to the fundamental thing of the universe. What holds those together? Here's another question. Why are you all sat there with your hands on your head? Here's the point. Words are powerful. Our words are powerful. And God's words are even more powerful. Our words shape the world, but God's world create God's word created this world. What we see was made out of what is not visible. Behind the reality we see, the world we see is an unseen reality. And faith gives us the ability to see the unseen. Behind the world we see is the unseen reality of a creator. Behind the Jesus we see is the reality of an unseen creator who became part of his creation. It's worth saying, faith is not believing in spite of evidence, with no evidence or no reason. But neither is faith believing only based on evidence and reason. Because that's not faith, that's just understanding and knowing and seeing. Faith is believing based on evidence and reason, but goes beyond evidence and reason. With faith, you can see the unseen, which means you can do what other people can't do, because you can see what other people can't see. So here's six ways that faith can empower you. Number one, With faith, you can work when it looks pointless because faith sees a purpose. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that is in keeping with his faith. By faith, Noah built an ark, a boat, a huge boat. It was 130 meters long, 25 meters wide, 15 meters high. That's bigger than a football pitch. You couldn't fit it in the city ground because it's too big. It would have taken him literally years to build that boat. Can you imagine every morning getting up, cutting down another tree, sawing another plank, sanding another plank, hammering in another nail, putting on another coat of of tar. Think of the blisters. Think of the splinters, the sweat, the daily grind. And all around, 
He couldn't see any water. He was building because in faith he believed that God had said some water was coming. He lived his life in light of unseen reality. Did he have doubts? Probably. There were probably days he got up and went, why am I doing this? Is this really worth it? Did he have failings? Well, actually, we know that after the flood was over, one of the first things he did was get drunk. He had doubts, he had failings, but he had faith. You know, the, 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 the daily grind is tough. Some weeks on a Thursday evening, I have to psych myself up to log into Zoom, to join home group. Like, it's, it's hard. Zoom fatigue is a real thing, which means that home group Zoom fatigue is a real thing. But you know what? Looking back on this year, I can honestly say that home group, despite being on Zoom, has been one of my highlights. Because the community of people around me has done me good. What daily grind has God given you? Maybe it is building something, building a family, a business, a relationship, a home group. Whatever daily grind God has given you, you can work when it looks pointless with faith because faith sees a purpose. Number two, with faith, you can obey when it looks stupid because faith sees an opportunity. Verse eight, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, I once went on a walk with someone who did not know that, where they were going. We were in Wales, near Snowdon, in January, which is a bad start already. And um, he was like, oh, he's really into walking. He's like, oh, let's just go on a walk. And we said, oh, we, would, we don't want it to be too extreme. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, we started doubting him. 20 minutes in, when we were going up a hill that was so steep and so muddy that we literally had to pull members of the group up. That was before we got to the halfway cafe, three hours in, that was closed. That was before he was like, oh, it's fine, you just get a train. They weren't coming. Oh, just get a bus. Oh, they've been cancelled because it's not sealing. Uh, it, it's, it's off season. You don't want to go on a walk with someone who doesn't know where they're going, let alone move house. Abraham was called by God to load up the removal van and go somewhere. It looked stupid. In fact, we know that Abraham then inherited that land. Abraham didn't know that he was going to get the land that he was going to. All he knew is his stuff was in the removal van and he had to go where God told him. Faith sometimes looks stupid. But when God calls you to do something that you wouldn't do yourself it's because he wants to do something that only he can do. And it might look stupid, but if the all-knowing God, the good God, who knows everything about you, your character, your personality, your situation, asks you to do something, it's not stupid. It's actually safe and sensible. You know, we've got a, a bunch of guys who went from Grace Church to plant the River Church in Newcastle last September. And when they first planned the date of September 2020, it sounded like a great idea. And then April 2020 happened, and it sounded like a really bad idea. Do you know when it started sounding like a good idea? Well, it still hasn't. Because planting a church, everything that they tell you, oh, make sure you have lots of people around you have, have connections, meet lots of people, they've been able to do hardly any of that. It looks pretty stupid. But you know what? It's not, because they are being obedient to the call of God. And with faith, you can obey when it looks stupid, because faith sees an opportunity. Number three, 
With faith, you can stay when it looks lonely because faith sees a home. Verse 9. By faith, he, that's Abraham, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. They lived in this promised land, but they lived as strangers, because the promises had not yet come true. God would one day build a city, the city of Jerusalem, but at that time, they were living in tents. Living by faith sometimes feels lonely, sometimes feels like you're a stranger, sometimes feels like you are different from all the people around you. That's why we need each other. That's why God invented the church. So let me plead with you. Connect with church. It's hard in this season. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Join the services. Contribute at the microphones, in the chat. Sign into home group. Hey, if you're not in a home group, get, um, get connected. Leave a message on here. Join the Connect call. Send an email. We'll get you connected with a home group. Um, if you're part of a home group but haven't been for a while, reconnect again. Uh, send a message to someone that you know. We need each other because faith can be lonely. Who can you reconnect with to encourage, to say you're not alone? Yes, we are strangers, but we have a hope. Because faith, you can, with faith, you can stay when it looks lonely because faith sees a home. Number four. With faith, you can hope when it looks futile because faith sees a future. Verse 11, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Sarah was way past the age of childbearing, and Abraham, a bit harsh, but he was as good as dead. Having a child was inconceivable, literally. But God can do the inconceivable. Did Sarah doubt? You, well, it's weird that she's included in this chapter of faith, people. Do you know the story? God sends a messenger to tell Sarah, you're going to have a child. She laughs. She laughs in disbelief because she's past childbearing and her husband's as good as dead. But you know what? God gets the last laugh. And when Isaac's born, she says, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh. Because God can do the impossible. Did Sarah doubt? Yes. Did she fail? Yes. At one point, she even sent her, her Egyptian servant to sleep with her husband because she was so desperate for children, and she didn't think that it would happen through her. She doubted. She failed. But she had faith. And with faith, you can hope when it looks futile because faith sees a future. Number five. With faith, you can invest when it looks too late because faith sees a bigger story. 
Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Each of these people are blessing, envisioning, empowering the next generation when they die. Joseph is even making practical plans because he knows that God will deliver on his promise to rescue this people from Egypt. But as far as their life went, they had died. But you know what? Even death can't start God, stop God's plans. And I grew up with, uh, as one of four, um, two sisters and a brother, and always knowing that my brother Daniel and my sister Amy had a life-limiting genetic condition. And it's degenerative, so over the years, they um, lost skills, they lost um, ability to talk and feed themselves. And I knew that their life expectancy was limited, probably only lived to teenage years. Actually, they both have outlived their life expectancy, but last September, we were told that Daniel only had a few days left to live because his body has finally shut down. And me and my family spent some precious time together with him as he spent his last few days on this earth. But you know what? As hard as it is, and the sadness is real, it, like grief hits you at strange times. Just random things remind me of him, and I feel a wave of sadness. But you know, I am confident that death isn't the end. Because resurrection of Jesus is not just a nice idea, but literally happened. And because Jesus literally came back from the dead, I believe that Daniel will literally come back from the dead as well. And that Daniel is now more alive than he has ever been. It's never too late for God. And even death can't stop him. You can invest when it looks too late because faith sees a bigger story. Which part of your story do you need to remember is a part of God's bigger story? And number six, with faith, you can choose when it looks costly because faith sees a reward. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disregard for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, and he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Sometimes faith says yes, and sometimes faith says no. Moses turned down the power of being a royal figure in Egypt, the comfort from living in the palace, the respect, the fame, because he saw him who was invisible. He lived his life in light of unseen realities. It cost him. But by faith, we can choose when it looks costly, because faith sees a reward. You know, connecting with church, joining Zooms, coming to meetings, seeing people in your garden, it will cost you. It'll cost you your time. It'll cost you your energy. It might even cost you your money if you buy a gazebo so you can meet people in your garden comfortably. But it will cost you. But by faith, you can choose when it looks costly because faith sees a reward. 
And then the preacher's just like, man, I've run out of time. He's only barely got out of Genesis. And he fast forwards. Verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on the dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do it, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And then he realizes he's completely out of time. So he hits fast forward. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received their dead to life again. Wow, who wants to be part of those? But then there's also others. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might get an even better resurrection. Some faced fears and uh, jeers and flogging, even chains, imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. You know, sometimes faith will get you out, and sometimes faith will get you through. Both are equally miraculous. Your responsibility is not what happens to you. Your responsibility is not the outcome. Your responsibility is to have faith. Verse 39, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Because the promises that God made his people were climaxing in Jesus, years, centuries, all pointing to one man, Jesus, who came, who lived, who died, who came back to life and invites us to be part of this faith community. If you are a Christian, you are characterized by faith. No matter how faith fatigued you are, you are a person of faith. You can see the unseen. You can live a miraculous life. You can work when it looks pointless, obey when it looks stupid, stay when it looks lonely, hope when it looks futile, invest when it looks too late, and choose when it looks costly. Because faith sees something better. Faith sees a purpose. Faith sees an opportunity, a hope, a home, a future, a bigger story, and a reward. With faith, you can. Because what matters is not the strength of your faith, but the strength of who we believe in. With faith, we can. When faith is fatigued, our God is still faithful.